You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. Some of you may know that I was a chaplain at Jefferson Hospital before I became a pastor. It was a really transformative period in my life. And one thing that I learned, uh, maybe most of all, is that grief makes your faith or breaks your faith. Losing your health and independence, losing a loved one, preparing to lose your own life. That's some of the most intense stuff we do in this journey called life. And I was with people in that. There was a big difference between people with a solid, sustaining faith and those with brittle ideas about God that could not sustain them in the difficulty of being in that experience. It wasn't like the, the like faithful people were like all blissed out and totally serene. And I can't even really put my finger on it, honestly, what the difference was for those people that were able to move through this with some grace. But I, I know more distinctly, I, I can say certainly, what it looks like when people don't have that. When this experience of loss breaks them. I knew what that looked like better. And maybe that's true of most things. It's easier to see the lack than the presence sometimes. People felt so betrayed. They thought God was gonna take care of them. They thought that was the point. They thought they were gonna be all right. They thought they had been you know, a pretty decent person, so they didn't deserve this. I don't know, maybe I just sounded like I was mocking them. I really don't mean that. I totally understand why they would say that. They were so angry in their grief and they couldn't get beyond that. They, they were stuck there. They, they needed more than they had. And I live now forever touched by the ghost of that bitter grief and wonder if my own faith, when thrown into the fire of dying, will be any different from that. It's like their faith was a balloon that could only stretch so far. Hey, here's a balloon in my pocket. <laughs> you could spend your life filling up these balloons with the right words about God. There's a hole in this balloon. That'll make it even better, because you just gotta keep blowing. got to keep filling it up with the right words, got to keep going to church, got to keep doing the right thing, got to keep having the right idea. So we spend all of our time pumping this up, and then the fire of death comes along. It didn't get very loud because there was a hole in it. The hole wasn't planned. But that's how it is. You got to keep pumping it up, right? And it, it's so easy. 
for the fire, you know? It's so easy for those ideas, those religious things that you thought were going to fill you up, to get your faith real big. But you're still just a balloon, so fragile, no matter how big you get. How, it's just so easy to pop you with a little fire. My experience with people in the hospital taught me, taught me how easy it is to pop. That's what I learned in the ICU and the emergency room. That's what I learned in the, the cancer wing, is that it's very fragile, this thing called faith. Loss and grief are devastating and inevitable. The fire is going to come. And it makes me thirsty for something more than the right words and the right motions. I wonder, is my faith just a bunch of hot air? Will it pop when that time comes? But here's another balloon. Fortunately, it doesn't have a hole in it. It's, but it's full of water. And this makes me thirsty. This experience of loss in bitterness makes me searching for something maybe smaller, but that it can withstand fire, hopefully. <laughs> Why is that? Science. <laughs> I want some water faith that can withstand the inevitable fire of loss or even death. And I want that for you too. The prophet Jeremiah knew some things about hot air religion and a lot about loss. He was God's messenger to the people of Judah in 587 BC, a devastating year in biblical history. 587 BC is the year that Judah's balloon popped when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because the book of prophecy that bears his name has so much lament in it. Just copious lament again and again. He also has the book of lamentation, which by its name you know is lament about the fall, describing in great detail the destruction of Jerusalem. This is a depiction of Jeremiah as painted by Michelangelo on the Sistine Chapel. He's lost in anguished meditation, head in his hands. I think this looks like the epitome of despair. Have you ever felt like this? Yeah, I bet you have. Jeremiah is so important to us because of his lament. This is my point. It's his lament, the way he shows us how to go through loss. Because his genius is, is that he doesn't let his, his despair just eat him up. He doesn't stay head in hands. He goes and acts and he tells people about it. He expresses it. He is a poet before anything else. His, his God-given mission is to wake people up. Hey, this is all a balloon, y'all. That's, that's, my, that's my version of Jeremiah. It's gonna pop. Look around you. Get out of your denial. 
Pull your head out of the sand. Stop going to all those other kings and all those other gods. They've got nothing for you because you're going down. My son Theo has a, a song that he likes to sing because uh, it's, it's nice to have a kind of black and white view of the universe where there are bad guys and good guys, you know? And so he has a song that's, that's a very Jeremiah song. Uh, it's mostly about fighting bad guys. But the refrain is, you're going down. You're going down. You're going down. You, and he does, he, he, I, I haven't caught him on video doing this so I could share it with you. But like, the, then, then he just comes up with this like, you know, fire going through your soul. Electric going through your soul. You're going down. Here come the ninjas. You know, just like all kinds of violence against you. And uh, he's Jeremiah, you're going down. Because Jeremiah, he's saying this, all of this, your status quo certainty, all of your puffed up religi religiosity, all your dedication to lesser gods, the sources of power that you think are going to keep you safe, all of it is going to burst. Get ready, repent, which means do something else. Stop doing the same thing. Repent. Here's a little taste of what, oh, I got it, I got it. Go back for me, Tom. Here's a little taste of it. Will someone read this in a, in a, in a bit of anguish? They dress the wound of my people as if it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, where there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blood. That's actually like a refrain. He says that more than one time in the first few chapters of Jeremiah. They don't even know how to blush. Peace? Yeah, right. And you might, you might guess no one listens to him. No one wants to hear all that. They just keep blowing up their balloon with hot air as, the, as it's seeping out. Jeremiah's opposition is consistently trying to kill him or imprison him, and they successfully do that, and somehow he doesn't die by some miracle. Um, because his message is that the Babylonian Empire is God's instrument of punishment to, the, to the, the people of Judah for their refusal to be faithful to God's covenant. God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he wanted them to be his people. And his idea for how that was gonna happen was the law, the Torah, this basic idea about this is what it's going to look like for you to be my special people, and this is how I want to relate to you. And they can't keep that. Even the very basic level of it is to not have any other gods before me. And Jeremiah describes in great detail all the other gods that the people of Judah have. And they do. It's, it's not just um, you know, greed and money and power. It's also like other deities. Uh, and that's a common thing. They're, it's really hard for them to have one God because that's totally weird, for one. It's actually a very, we think it's kind of like, oh man, those Judeans are so dumb, they can't even worship God. No, it's like, it was really normal that you would have multiple gods. It was hard for them to, to stay faithful to one. They have a long, they've long ago forgotten their communal calling and Jeremiah wants them to see what is happening so they might be able to maintain their relationship with God even if Babylon comes in and destroys them and they lose their land, which is a big part 
of their inheritance, their idea of who they are is very linked to this land. And, and Jeremiah's trying to prepare them. Hey, repent. Do something else because something else is going to happen. Jeremiah does not solve their problem. He doesn't take it away. He describes the problem in great detail. He evokes the true reality. He illustrates the problem again and again and again. And for a long time, like for years, Jeremiah is the prophet to the people in Judah for many kings, half a century. Again and again, you're going down. And again and again, no one listens. The balloon is going to burst anyway. Oh, oh man! <laughs> Call me Babylon. And in the wake of this world-altering disaster, everyone is, is desperate. Don't clean that up. Good. That is, that's a sign to you. The balloon bursts, even though we've been fighting against our destruction. And but the but that balloon burst. I think they have to wonder. Maybe the container doesn't matter as much as what's in it. I think this is the transformation that God's inviting them into and I invite you into it with them. Maybe we're not a balloon after all. We always thought we were, but maybe, maybe there's some other way to do this. This is the question that the people of Judah find themselves in. Jerusalem was their balloon. It was the center of the known universe. It was the center of everything holy. What does it mean to be faithful now that it's destroyed? Now that everything is lost, have you been there? Are you there now? Here's some hope. The water is not gone. It's right there. And it's not going anywhere. Even if we just let it dry up and evaporate, the water cycle is blowing my mind when I was thinking about what that water would look like on the floor. You know, more science there, the water cycle from, uh, you know, somehow that water's going to make it in to be rained someday. You know, even, you know, maybe someone will actually clean it up, get a rag, wring it out in the sink, goes down the pipe, you know, but some of it will stay in the rack. You know, some of it will stay in the rag and we'll, we'll just like drape it over a shelf in the closet and let it dry. That's what we often do with rags. But the, the stuff that, when something dries, the water escapes it. It gets into the air and maybe it's going to sneak out the door or through the many cracks in this building, out into the air and get up into the sky. The water is not going anywhere. It makes it back. Or maybe some of it will get soaked up in these ceiling tiles and just kind of make them a little damp so that when we, uh, when we tear this building down someday, I don't know if we'll do it, someone will. I don't know, maybe we'll need to. But that was, I already thought of that. What if we tear this building down and need to do something else with it? You know, Pensacola real estate just goes crazy and this land is worth more and we tear it down, build something else here. I don't know. This building's coming down someday. I'm sure of it. And uh, then 
the water will escape completely from those ceiling tiles as they dry in the sun, even though they've been musty for decades. <laughs> the water's getting out of here. So, I don't, I don't know if you're with me on the, on the hope that I think that provides, but the fact that the water doesn't go away, go away gives me hope. There will be more water for whatever container I use next. And I think that the expression of grief is Jeremiah's gift to us for the preparation of that next container. Even his angry grief, especially his angry grief, in fact. I think Jeremiah's openness with God is, is what God wants. God does not want the container. He's not interested in balloons. He's interested in people filled with living water. The people of Judah couldn't, couldn't even do the basics of the container that God had designed for them. They couldn't even be faithful to him, and they won't admit it. Jeremiah is called to deliver the truth from God. You're breaking your promise. You're going to be destroyed. But Jeremiah also loves these people, and he loves the fullness of the expression of, of the law. He loves the temple. He loves what it means. He loves relating to God in the way that he always has. And it's difficult for him to reevaluate everything, too. He's in this mess. His job is to tell everyone they're going down, but he doesn't want them to go down. It's not like he's happy about this. So he has this discussion with God. Will someone read this in Jeremiah 12, 1 to 4? This is him having a, a, a complaint to God. Righteous Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them, you have and they have taken root. They grow and they bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. A lot of when Jeremiah addresses God in, in his book, Jeremiah, he's kind of saying, hey, what gives? Why is anything the way it is at all? How did you get, how did things get this bad? God, weren't you watching? It makes sense that they're saying he will not see what happens to us is because it seems like he's not doing anything, he's not watching. As we're ruining the fields, as we're, we're, we're lying about who we are, when are you going to deliver your supposed justice, God? He's tempted to give up, Jeremiah is. He's tired of the message he's been given. Here he says, whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, 
I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, the, it, it in. indeed, I cannot. He wants to give up. He wants to stop saying this same old thing. But he can't because when he closes his mouth, he feels it as a fire in his heart and in his bones. And he grows, it's, it's even worse to hold it in. He cannot. Jeremiah is the only prophet in the Bible who gets a noun. Have you heard the word Jeremiah? A Jeremiah is an angry harangue, a bitter protest, a scathing critique. There are some things burning within you that should not be held in. There is some loss that you have experienced that has never been touched. So much grief is happening in the world right now that may just be oppressing you silently. Jeremiah invites you to name it, to tell it well. If we don't take regular opportunities to express our grief, it will pop. It'll pop us. We need some Jeremiads in our life. And I don't think polite, pretty, or pious ones are the best. They're not going to work as well as the one that fully names the thing that you're feeling that fully describes the ugliness of what you're seeing. Jeremiah's ugly at times. That butchered and slaughtered line that you might have paused on before, it gets worse. You know, he's calling out all kinds of things and he's doing it in a way that says, hey, this is happening. We need those people in our life and we need to be those people even to ourselves. Don't lie to yourself. We all have unprayed through grief. We need to express it, and colorfully, like with water balloons or something, if we don't have the right words. We need to face the reality and hold on to hope, and not just hope painted on top of the mess. We, we, there is a hope that goes through the mess and doesn't ignore it, that names the ugly reality and somehow transforms how we see it. Malcolm Geith is a poet, a poet that I really like, and he, he recently wrote a poem from which I want, I, with which I want to close. In the introduction to the poem, he says, it might be helpful for some of my readers in the current stressful and disturbing cycle of news, this poem might be. For when I began the poem on how prayer does not ignore, quote, the six days world, the busy weekday world, the constant cycle of unnerving news, the, the noise and pain and clamor of daily life, but rather seeks to transpose that dissonance into the key of love, I realized that I was articulating something I had been feeling for a long time. He's a poet, so let me say that again in another way. This six-day world is this, this phrase that he's working with. All of this stuff, this, the clamor of daily life, it needs to, to be transposed, needs to be shifted, and he's using a musical metaphor here, needs to be shifted into the key of love. When he realized this kind of articulation, he, he thought it was useful. He'd been thinking about it for a long time. He'd been thinking about the damaging and depressing effect of barrages of bad news unprayed through. 
they accumulate as a kind of uninterpreted cacophony in the mind. Just all this noise, totally disorganized, and it's all happening to us. And we don't often pay enough attention to see how it is impacting us. Malcolm Guide says, we need the gift of transposition and the power to hear, however tiny it might seem, the eternal tuning fork that sounds Christ's love in the midst of things, the cantus firmus that grounds the music of the cosmos. I had to look up cantus firmus too. Uh, it's a fixed song, a pre-existing melody forming the basis of a polyphonic composition. And polyphonic, as far as I can tell, is just a, the harmonies, the other notes that aren't the melody. So here's the poem. 24-7 in the six days world, in endless cycles of unnerving news, relentlessly our restless hurts are hurled through empty cyberspace. Is there no muse to make of all that pain an elegy? Or in those waves of white noise to discern Christ's inner cantus firmus, that deep tone that might give rise at last to harmony? We may not seal it off or drown it out, nor, nor close our hearts down in the hour of prayer, but listening through dissonance and doubt, wait in the space between until we hear a change of key, a secret chord disclosed, a kind of tune, and all the world transposed. I'm going to let that resonate with you. Maybe all of it doesn't make sense yet. But it's pointing us towards that listening through dissonance and doubt, which is what we want to do now here in worship. We have a few ways for you to express your grief today. Again, our tree has been transformed. We had to tear it down. The fire marshal said it was no go. Seriously. But now it's these falling leaves. And you get the, you'll get the chance to name your grief in one of those leaves. Casey will help you do that. But we also have the communion table, a symbol of our Lord's grievous death. A way to name our loss our brokenness with all of the body of Christ, of Christ across the whole world today. A reminder of Christ's death and how he subdued death, a place of safety in death, a celebration of the promise of life after death and the promise that Jesus will return and make it all right. All things that have gone so wrong, Jesus will come to make right. We say that do this in remembrance of Jesus until he comes again. That's what he told us. A promise that Jesus will be with us even more fully than he is now. That we will know him even as we are fully known. All of our grief and anger alongside all of our joy and sorrow. He is with us. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, 
you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.